I'm Daniel. And I'm Hannah. And we're massive Disney fans. So we've decided to start a podcast where we'll be re-watching some of our favorite movies. As well as reviewing new releases as they come out in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. So pull up a chair and come with us as we experience the magic of Disney. Hi there, Hannah. Hi. How are you? I've been good. Yeah. yeah. I am at the beach. So am I. We're at the same beach. <laughs> I know, but we can't see each other. I know. Um, I am sunburned so heavily. Oh no. I hate being sunburned. It's like my least favorite feeling in the whole world. Yeah, no, honestly, I feel that. Alright. So, um, Oliver and Company. Yeah. I realize um, I don't think I've ever actually seen this movie before. <gasps> what? I thought, like, I remembered it. Wow. This is the second time I've seen it. Well, technically the third, because um, I watch movies twice for the podcast. I watch it once just to get the vibe of it, and then I watch it a second time to take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've seen it three times, maybe four if I saw it when I was younger. Um, I really do love it. Yeah, I, like, might have seen it when I was younger, but I really didn't remember much. Yeah, no, it has definitely been a while. I forgot, like, the basic plot of it. Um, but it's so good. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's underrated. I would, I would consider Oliver and Company an underrated movie. I would definitely agree. Um, so Oliver and Company is essentially the tale of Oliver Twist, written by Charles Dickens, modified with cats and dogs. So, the basic plot of the Disney movie is there is a kitten, an orphan kitten, who runs into this mutt named Dodger. Dodger introduces this kitten to his gang, gang of pickpocketers, um, who are just a bunch of stray dogs who are all living with this one guy named Fagin. And Fagin owes the mob, I'm going to assume the mob, or... I don't think it was ever specified, but he's a loan shark named Bill Sykes' money. So the dogs have to go find him things to pawn. And while they're looking for things to pawn, this little orphan kitten gets taken in by this adorable little girl named Jenny. And Oliver is living in Jenny's house, and Jenny is super rich. She is living on Fifth Avenue, right across from Central Park, which if you don't know real estate in New York. Fifth Avenue right across Central Park is like really expensive, really luxury apartments, luxury hotels. Fagin's gang um, thinks Oliver is being tortured in this house and goes to take him back. Well, they take him back and then Oliver's like, why'd you guys take me? I wanted to stay. I was having such a good time. Um, so they're like, okay, fine. They felt like kind of betrayed, betrayed like, oh, um, well, then leave if you don't want to be with us. And then Fagin finds out that Oliver had this new home, and he was like, I have a great idea to pay back my money. I'm going to set a ransom for this cat since this family lives on Fifth Avenue. They're obviously rich. Um, but when he sees little Penny, or, oh my god, I said Penny because I keep thinking of rescuers. Right. Well, Jenny <laughs> show up with her little, her piggy bank, he feels bad, and he gives Oliver back. 
essentially. Well, there, there's a little bit of um, He gives Oliver back, um, but before, not not Penny, before Jenny can get away, Sykes comes and realizes that Jenny is rich and kidnaps Jenny, hoping to her parents. And we'll leave you at that. We will not spoil it um, in case you yeah. want to watch it. So, like I said earlier, this movie is based off Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Hannah, have you read that? I have not. Have you seen the movie? No. Have you seen the musical? No. Oh, it's my least I favorite really musical. I don't know anything about... It is, it is my least favorite musical ever. Oh, really? Um, personally, I don't like it um, because Oliver doesn't do anything. In the musical, he kind of just stands there and all this stuff happens around him. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't like that character. Um, but anyway, the plot of the original story is there's an orphan boy named Oliver and the owner of the orphanage named Bill Sykes um, doesn't like Oliver anymore. He gets kind of annoyed with him. So he sells Oliver to this funeral home and Oliver goes from the funeral home, and he finds this gang of misfit orphans whose leader is named um, Fagin. I don't remember Fagin's first name. And Fagin teaches Oliver how to pit pocket, pickpocket, and Oliver quickly becomes friends with this other orphan kid named Dodger. And then Oliver meets this woman named Nancy, who is really sweet and really kind to him. And Oliver goes off with Nancy, and then I don't exactly remember what happens, but somehow Oliver finds a, finds his grandfather, who is like super rich and lives with his grandfather. Bill Sykes, the owner of the orphanage, realizes that Oliver is rich now and kidnaps Oliver, hoping to ransom him off to his grandfather. And Nancy um, confronts Bill, and Bill, um, Bill kills Nancy, and it's very sad. Okay. And I do believe at the end, Oliver is reunited with his grandfather. Oh, interesting. Didn't even know that. Though. I haven't read it, or I really don't know the story of Oliver Twist at all, so. Um, so that's the musical. I don't know if the musical is different from the book, because I don't read. I'm surprised. I feel like a lot of schools have students read Oliver Twist. I feel like it's one of those classics, but I've never read it. I disagree. I don't actually think any school has kids read Oliver Twist. Really? I feel like my sibling school. My siblings didn't read it, and I didn't read it. That's yeah. only two schools, but um. True. So this is an amazing cast, and I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about this. Um. Dodger was voiced by Billy Joel. Oliver was voiced by Joey Lawrence. Tito the Chihuahua, voiced by Cheech Marin. Georgette, voiced by the amazing Bette Midler. Fagin was voiced by Dom Deleuze. Jenny was voiced by Natalie Gregory. Francis was voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown. And Bill Sykes was voiced by Robert Loja. Wow. Um, so, really big cast. Really great cast. Yeah, it is a really great cast. Um, Billy Joel and I, fun fact, <laughs> Billy Joel and I have the same birthday. 
<laughs> That's exciting. It is Something exciting. Common with Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any fun facts for Taylor? I do. Um, so this movie came out in 1988, and was this at the end of the Dark Ages? Um, some people would say, some people would say yes. Um, so. I feel like it's some one of the ones people, that pulled out from the Dark Ages. The what? Like, I feel like it's one of the first ones that pulled out from the Dark Ages, like started to do better. So, some people say the first one that pulled out of the Dark Ages would be The Great Mouse Detective. Okay. However, you have to keep in mind that The Great Mouse Detective came out in 81, and in 85, The Black Cauldron came out, and The Black Cauldron is, like, the movie of the Dark Ages. Yeah. Um, no, so, I classify Great Mouse Detective as Dark Ages, I think. Great Mouse Detective would be Dark Ages, but it is kind of that step into that newer animation. Yeah. Um, however, I believe this was the, f hang on, this was the first movie that Michael, who, who was the CEO before Bob Iger, Michael Eisner? Yes, Michael Eisner. Um, this is the movie I believe was Michael Eisner's first movie as CEO. So I would say definitely the one that pulled it out of the Dark Ages, but I mean, Little Mermaid probably is the real first of the renaissance yeah definitely i agree should we explain what the dark ages are i feel like people might not know oh my god oh my god you're so smart hannah so <laughs> just like talking to each other like we know what we're talking about <laughs> we are, so disney has five eras yeah i think so four eras i don't know four or five eras the first era would be the golden age which is Snow White to Jungle Book. Every movie from Snow White to Jungle Book. And they were called the Golden Ages because it was, you know, it's like classic Disney. It's everything Walt Disney was working with. He put his heart and soul into. And they're just, you know, those golden movies. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Lady and the Tramp, Bambi, Pinocchio, Dumbo. I'll stop listing movies now. Yeah. After the Golden Ages ended, a year after Walt Disney died, Walt Disney died December 15th, 1966, and the studio released Jungle Book, and then we're like, great, what now? What do, what do we do? Um, everyone was at, at a loss, they were all kind of stuck, didn't really know what movies to put out, what were good ideas, because they didn't have Disney there to guide them. And these movies that came out during the Dark Ages is everything from 1967 to 1989, 88-89. Um, and those movies include the original Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, The Aristocats, I can't think of anything else. Um, Robin Hood is in there, that era of movies. And then, like Hannah and I were talking, ending the Dark Ages would be The Little Mermaid. Um, Michael Eisner had the brilliant idea of going back to the grim fairy tale, the, the princesses, and The Little Mermaid pulled us out of the Dark Ages and brought us into what is known as the Disney Renaissance. And that is like our classics. And that's going to be Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Mulan, Hercules 
all those movies from the 90s. Yeah. And then I'm not entirely sure where the Renaissance ends and the modern era begins. I was looking at this website about the different eras. It says there's seven, but it says that right. after the Renaissance era, um, there's a post-Renaissance era in 2000 2009. Two, okay. So the post-Renaissance has, um, era. This has Bolt, Bitch. Bolt, Lilo Chicken and Stitch, Bolt, Chicken Little. The Robinsons, Emperor's New Groove, oh, that yeah, and then it ends with Princess and the Frog. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so... The what? Uh, next it says the Revival Era. I don't know if these names are, like, official. The Revival Era. So, um... I, I think as we get more modern, it's really up to, like, your own opinion, what you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um... I do like the idea of the post-Renaissance that is very fitting. Um, so, like Hannah said, post-Renaissance, Meet the Robinsons, Lilo and Stitch, Emperor's New Groove. Those, they're kind of underrated, but really good movies that we all love. And then, after Princess and the Frog came out, Disney announced they will be making no more 2D animated movies, and from here on out, everything will be 3D animation. And that's where you get into the modern slash revival slash CGI era, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's going to be Tangled, Ragged Ralph, Frozen, Zootopia. Um, those those movies, I can't think of. Big, Big Hero 6. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Ralph, right? Sorry? You said Wreck-It Ralph. I said Wreck-It Ralph, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Frozen 2. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so those are the Disney eras. That is what Hannah and I were talking about earlier. Um, breakdown of what the eras are. It's a little breakdown. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know all of them either, so... Yeah, no. Um, I learned something new as well. Um, so, a lot of where stuff ended and where stuff begins is a little up for debate. I would say the only one that's not up for debate would be Jungle Book was the end of the Renaissance, of the Golden Age. Oh, I get those two Most confused. Most definitely, yeah. Um, so I think Oliver and Company, I wrote in my notes about four times, oh my god, the animation. Because it is oh so god. different. It is so different from what we previously see in the previous decade when I watch The Rescuers, when I watch The Aristocats, and the animation is kind of choppy. You can kind of see, like, the lines moving, and it kind of looks like the sketches. Um, but with this one, like, it's clear and sharp, and I loved it. And um, I feel like with the animation being so beautiful and with the amazing, um, the amazing cast, I think that that all together is like, you know, Disney saying, we know what we're doing. We got ourselves together. Be prepared for a bunch of great movies. Um, and that was definitely because of Michael Eisner. Yeah, this is definitely where they started pulling it together. Um, so with that said, do you have any fun facts, Hannah? Yeah, I have a few more. So 
a lot of the dancing in this movie, which was mostly done by dogs, which is kind of different than what you'd see typically, was inspired mm-hmm. by Bob Fosse, who I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, and I also didn't know that Bob Fosse has won eight Tony Awards for choreography. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so he's um, he's more jazz. He's pretty much known for jazz dance. Is he kind of a little bit of musical theater, too? Does he do musical theater, too, or is it mainly jazz? Okay, so, but what I do know about Fosse is that he created his own style of dance, and it's just called Fosse. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about the history. What I do know is when he was younger, he took he took ballet or jazz, and the dance teacher said, you're not doing it right. And he thought, it's dance. Is there a right way to do it? It's just about expressing yourself. And, you know, he grew up believing that. And then he directed slash choreographed amazing musicals like Chicago, Cabaret, which are musicals I'm sure you, Hannah, have heard of and you listening have heard of because they're extremely famous. And if you haven't seen any of them, they all have movie remakes that are all really good. I suggest you watch them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I know when I'm at camp, when I'm at drama camp, one of the classes you can take is just called Fosse, which is just a Fosse dance class. I wish I'd taken more Fosse dance classes, because... Oh, Hannah, you'll have plenty of time to do that. I haven't really taken a lot, so... Um, it's fun. I will say it's hard. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely hard. Um, Um, so... Okay was the Walt Disney Company's 27th animated feature, um, and there's some few characters who have cameos in this. There's some 101 Dalmatian characters. I noticed that! I wrote it down! I think there's a little bit of a Lady in the Tramp reference. Oh my god. Oh my god. So I have- I'm gonna skip into the notes right now just for a second. Yeah, that's all I have, um, so we can go straight in. 1146. I wrote Jacques Peg, and I believe his name's Rusty. Yeah. From Lady and the Tramp. Um, and I thought I saw Pongo for a second. It could have just been a Dalmatian. Um, oh, it's definitely Pongo. So if you're done with the fun facts, Hannah, um, this is the first movie where I can really talk about the music. Do you mind if I do? Go right ahead. And I could have talked about music for Toy Story, but it was just Randy Newman, and <laughs> he does every Pixar, he does every Pixar movie. The music for this movie was done by J.A.C. Redford, who did the underscoring. Underscoring means the music that you hear while people are talking. J.C. Redford also did music for Newsies with Alan Menken. Now, the main reason I think Oliver and Company might be considered a Dark Age movie is because generally with the Renaissance movies, with Hunchback, Pocahontas, Aladdin, Beautiful Mermaid, all the music was written by one person or one group of people. Um, However, in this movie, all the songs were written by various different people, and when shows or movies have music written by different people, the music doesn't really connect the story. However, with those bigger movies from the Renaissance, like Tarzan, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, when all the music is written by one person or a group of people, generally Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, 
the music can connect the story and it makes for a great show, which is why all these Renaissance movies have made an appearance on Broadway. And before I end my little spiel, just a fun fact, not to steal Hannah's thunder, but Howard Ashman did write the opening number for Oliver and Company called Once Upon a Time in New York City, which is sung by Huey Lewis. And that is my little spiel on the music, so I am ready to go into the notes now, Hannah. Let's go into the notes. Oh, right. Well, my first note is, wow, animation. My I first mean, note is also animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so different. It's just kind of a shock. It's so new. It's so... This is also our first, like, animated movie on this podcast, so it was a little refreshing. My second note, I don't know if you noticed, Hannah, but at 2 minutes and 16 seconds, Oliver is in the box with all the kittens, and there's a sign on the box that says, Kitties need home $5. But when it's just Oliver left, the $5 was crossed out and it wrote free. I did notice that. That opening scene, um, like, broke my heart, honestly. Uh, yeah, this movie is really sad. Um, I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit. At 46 seconds, I noticed, and this goes on for the rest of the movie, there's a lot of product placement in this movie. Just at the beginning with Times Square. There's like uh, Coca-Cola, Yamaha, Kodak, like all these big companies that in, I feel like in other movies, you won't get that much product placement. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't really know what was up with the product placement. Like four or five times I saw um, a sign for USA Today and there was a lot of Coke advertisements, just like Coke signs were everywhere. And I think that's because Oliver and Company takes place in New York City in 1988. And in 1988, Coke wasn't like brand new in 1988, but it like, it was a big thing in the 80s. It was just popular, yeah. I don't know why we just had a whole spiel about Coke. We didn't need to do that. <laughs> um, the more you know. <laughs> sorry, you said Coke. Did you say Yamaha? Yeah. Is that that piano company? Um, I think they were advertising the boats. Because I think Yamaha... Because Yamaha makes, like, boats and jet skis and stuff. Do they also make pianos? Like, they is that do. Cool? I'm looking it up. Yamaha piano. So they make and pianos? Like, that's I what guess. I'm thinking. Or are those separate companies? Nope, it's the exact same company because it's the same logo. Interesting. I, I guess, a wide range of products. It's like, huh. um, oh my gosh, I feel like we're going to off track on today, but. Oh, we absolutely are, but you know, you know, you know the Dyson brand that makes vacuums and stuff? Yeah. So they started coming out with, like, hair products. They made a hair dryer <laughs> and, um, a curling iron and all this stuff. It's just so weird to me. No, I would never use a Dyson hair dryer. I don't actually dry my hair. I air dry it. I typically air dry my hair too. Um, I don't. Can you blow dry your hair? Wouldn't it like get everywhere because it's so curly? Um, you have to use like a diffuser th attachment. Oh, uh, I don't know what that I means. I let it air dry. It's a lot of work. So <laughs> I, I don't understand how people have the patience to blow dry their blow dry their hair. Honestly, if you like just stand there. 
if it's like short and easy to manage, then yeah, go for it. But I just don't want to sit there for 30 minutes trying to dry my hair. Honestly. Um, my next note is, my next note is animation again, chef's kiss. <laughs> my next, my next note is until four minutes. Um, nope, that, you're good. That's all I got for now. Um, I only have one, less than one page of notes, by the way. Uh, same. It's a short movie. So, it's a short movie, but I also think the lesser the notes, the better it is because they're paying more attention to it. Yeah, there's less to, like, criticize um, way. Yeah, and it, the classic Disney movies don't really have Easter eggs like toy, like Pixar movies do. Exactly. Um, there's not really a lot to be like, oh, did you notice this? Did you notice this? Did you notice this? Um, it's really just the Lady and the Tramp stuff. But 425, there's a guy walking down the street who looks like Roger from 101 Dalmatians. Four twenty-five. Four twenty-five. Yeah, and I don't think it is. I think it's just the same, like the same drawing. Oh yeah, it looks very similar. It looks so similar. It looked too similar. I had to write it down. I didn't reset it first. Now you didn't? No. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow. Oh wait, I'm so I'm pulling up the movie. Can we talk about how? Happy were you when you saw that like original Disney entrance? Oh intro. my god! Oh, right. It's been so long since I. Oh my god! It's been so long. Oh yeah, that was that was a nice little nostalgia moment. Oh, it definitely was. Okay, so I could be totally far off with this, but the hot dog stand guy sounds like um like the voice sounds like Pete from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Louie. Okay, let's see. Louie is voiced by Frank Welker, who was also in Scooby-Doo. Who does he voice in Scooby-Doo? Let's see that. He voices Fred in Scooby-Doo. Um, um, see, I, I'm gonna be honest here, I never watched Scooby-Doo. You never watched Scooby-Doo? No, I didn't. I watched the episode and I was scared, so I didn't watch what? it. Yeah. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's not even Disney, but like, wow. Um, <laughs> he voices Raja, Abu, and the cave in Aladdin. What? Yeah, he's a, he, it sounds like he's a voice actor. Um, so it sounds like he does a lot of like crazy voices, some animal stuff. Um, he was in Futurama, which is a show I really like. I want to see who he was in Futurama. Oh, he's Nibbler in Futurama. If anyone watches Futurama. And I'm sure he was an different animals in The Simpsons. Okay. I'm, I see Curious George on here. I bet you he was George. I'm not even going to look. Oh, Pocahontas. I bet, I bet he was Miko in Pocahontas. He was Flit. He was the hummingbird in Pocahontas. But um, no Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I don't see Mickey Mouse Clubhouse oh. on here, unfortunately. Oh. Broad spectrum of different roles. Definitely, definitely. Um, the more you know. Yep. Frank um, Wackler, everyone. So, what were we talking about, Frank Wackler? Oh, right. You thought he sounded like Pete. I definitely see that. I mean, I see where you're coming from. 
Um, I have at six oh nine. Um, Louis the hot dog vendor says we got the hottest dogs in New York, and then they cut immediately to Roger. Dodger. Did you notice that? Oh, like because he's a hot dog. Cause, yeah, because he they cut immediately to Dodger flirting with a female dog. I thought that was funny. I thought that was a cute moment. Um, uh, I said at six minute and forty seconds, Lady and the Tramp reference question mark. Six minutes and forty. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see anything. Hang on, I'm gonna go to that one. Oh, that dog. That timestamp might be wrong. Um, are you talking about? I think you're talking about the dog that Roger flirts with. Yeah. Dodger. Why do we keep saying Roger? Who is Roger? <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> I, do you know why I think I'm saying Roger? Why? Don't shame me for this. Oh gosh. <laughs> when you start a sentence with that, like it makes me want to. <laughs> okay, I've been watching. I re- I haven't been watching. I finished watching Phineas and Ferb, and I've been listening to the music. Um, <laughs> I found a playlist on Spotify that's like the ultimate Phineas and Ferb playlist, and it's every song from every album. And for some reason, I have stuck in my head a song called Triangulation. Roger, two fish rights, we know it's six feet and two inches tall. And I just have Roger stuck in my head. So you're thinking Roger. I am. I am 100% cutting that out of the podcast. Um, what were you saying? Um, the Lady and the Tramp reference. Right, Lady and the Tramp reference. Yeah. Is it 6.40? Yeah, it's around like 6.35, 6.40. That dog with the little bow in her hair? Yep. You know, I almost wrote it down, but I don't think that's a Lady and the Tramp reference. Yeah. Uh, the bow doesn't look, I don't think. Yeah, that's um, right. The bow in her hair. Lady doesn't have that bow. I think it's the same kind of dog. I don't know what kind of dog Lady is, but... Um, oh my gosh. No, I know it. I have no idea. Yeah, I can't think of the name. Hannah doesn't know it either. I feel like I knew someone who had, like, the exact same breed of dog. I would love to meet someone who has the exact same breed of dog as Lady. Um, okay, at eight minutes, I don't know if this is eight minutes or eight minutes and 60 seconds. No, it can't be eight minutes and 60 seconds. That's not a thing. Yeah, there's no such thing as eight minutes and 60 seconds. Okay. I'm going to play this clip for you. Um, Oliver has, like, the tiniest New York accent, and it is adorable and warms my heart, and I want to play it for you. Yeah, yeah, I do feel. Where are we going to get those hot dogs? Yeah. Uh, New York accent, like, New York, New Jersey accents to me are so cool. Uh, wait, can you not do New Jersey accent? I'm not, like, good at it. Oh my god, really? <laughs> Girl, we gotta go to the mall sometime. And then, <laughs> next note is, at 11.46, Jock, Peg, Jock, Peg, and I think it's Rusty. I don't remember the dog, the bloodhound in Lady and the Tramp. Uh-huh. You remember? What, what timestamp is that? 11.46. 11.46. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead. Nope, you're good. It's Trusty. I was close. Trusty. Trusty. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm not insane. That's definitely Jock. Jock, Peg, and Rusty. Trusty. God, I am so bad at names today. Rusty, trusty. Um, and then at 1151, I have Pongo. 
Yep. There he is. Yeah, I'm just like watching it right now. All right. <laughs> As um, my next note's not till 13 minutes and 45 seconds. I have one at 13.39, so I win. I do the same thing. Um, is it what Francis is watching on TV? Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's Macbeth, is it not? <gasps> Yay! Yay! Look at you with your theater knowledge. Oh it my is Macbeth. Um, I'm feeling smart. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> only because it's like in a Hamilton song. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, which song is it in? I think it's in Take a Break. Yeah. But does he say the, the words of the King's monologue? Uh, in yeah, he says it in the beginning. Oh my god, I literally, me like thinking I know all the lyrics to Hamilton. Oh, I don't know all the lyrics to Hamilton either. I know most of them. Okay, it goes, um... My dearest Angelica, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day. And then it's like, I trust you'll understand the reference to another Scottish tragedy. Yeah. Um, in my English class, I had to recite that monologue. Um, let's <laughs> say that was the most stressful time for me. Is there a video of it? There's not a video of it. Dang it. Ugh, I really got my hopes up there, Hannah. My next note, my notes like jump all over the place, so... Um, my next note is until 18 minutes, so do you have anything before that? Um, yes. What you got? Why do you, oh my god, you put Roger in my head. Dodger. I'm so sorry. Okay, well, Dodger, I'm Dodger, Dodger, that, like, Dodger. He was lying and, like, bragging about how he got the hot dogs all by himself. Oh, yeah, no, that was definitely a funny moment, um. Piercing eyes, dripping things, and then the little kitten comes crashing. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, Rita, it was tough. Only I could have done it. Did you have to fight, man? Huh? huh? I mean, did you fight? I mean, how many were there, man? Picture the city. Eighth and Broadway. The crowds hustling. The traffic roaring. The hot dogs are sizzling. I love a story with food in it. Ed the Dodger, one bad puppy. Not just out for himself, but community-oriented. But he's not the only one out there. Enter the opposition. A creepy, ugly, psychotic monster with razor-sharp claws, dripping fangs, nine lives, all of them hungry. He comes at me, eyes burning. I knew my time had come. Suddenly... My next note, why are Doberman always the bad dog? Um, actually, I feel like this is one of the first times I've seen Dobermans as the... No, I feel like in Marmaduke. Did you ever see the Marmaduke movie? Uh, it's been a while. I feel like Marmaduke, the Dobermans were bad. And in Up, was that a Doberman or a Rottweiler? Alpha. Uh, I was... Maybe. I, I feel like Great Danes are also typically used as, like, the bad dogs, too. 
Well, no, Einstein is a Great Dane in this movie, and in Marmaduke, Marmaduke's a Great Dane. Um, I can't think of other dog movies. I don't know. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna look at the Doberman. I guess honestly, Dobermans are kind of scary looking. Um, and then what's the Rottweiler? What, Rottweilers kind of are like same colors but smaller. I know, like, oh, I know, like, baby Rottweilers are really cute. See, Rottweilers don't look as scary to me as the Dobermans do. Oh, is there a, like, a a villain dog in one of the Airbud movies? Um, yeah, I don't know. Wait, aren't Pitbulls villains? Pitbulls, I feel like, aren't always villains. Just, like, in a world, in our world today. Yeah. What do you have next? Oh, do they ever really explain why Fagin owes him money? So, like, based off the plot, I'm not really sure if Fagin is a mob boss or, like, a loan shark or if he's a bookie. Um, it's kind of very vague. All we know is he runs his business out of a shipping factory on the dock. Um, so a bit of a plot hole that I wish they explained more. Okay, at 18 minutes and 56 seconds, and this is just an example of how um, far animation came in such a short time from, you know, Aristocats to this movie. Even The Great Mouse Detective, um, The Great Mouse Detective to Oliver and Company, just animation went so far. And the best example would be at 18 minutes and 56 seconds, they pan around the car, and if you want to watch that for yourself. Oh, and Hannah, while you're there, <clears throat> notice how Bill Sykes' license plate says Doberman, which is so the bad. kind of dog he has. I don't think that was pointed out. The Dobermans are Bill Sykes' dogs. So, if you evil were confused dog. about that. Bad dogs. Evil, evil dogs. Um, why is this movie rated G? Did you catch that? Um, this yeah. is literally, the plot of the movie is about a man threatening to kill another man he owes him money. Um, and there's also a lot of, like, uh, smoking and, like, tobacco. Which they, which they say in, like, the... the they say <laughs> at the top contains tobacco depictions. Um, but, like, this movie came out in 1988. Like, if this came out in the 50s and there were tobacco depictions, like... I would understand why it'd be rated G. This came out in the 80s when they knew, like, tobacco is bad for you. Still, rated G. I feel like it's also dark to be I rated know G. Is rated G. What? Um, the Rescuers is rated G. That's also weird. I also, I always thought it was weird how Sleeping Beauty is rated G. Because when I was younger, that dragon always scared me. Um, he also, like, you see him kill the dragon. Like, you see the sword go through the dragon. Yeah. I feel like that's, like, not rated G material. Agreed. That's... No? No, definitely. Yeah, I guess, I want to say, like, well, maybe times were just different, but I'm just surprised. 
I mean, yeah, 1988 was a long time ago, longer than 1995. <laughs> Here we go again. Right? It's probably just an 80s thing. Yeah, just blame it on the 80s. Okay, I have, they say Bumper the Rabbit, and it became the Bumper for me. Oh my god, can I be honest with you? What? Um, I, I caught that, but I was too lazy to write it down because I knew <laughs> you would write it down. See, you can count on me. I was like, I don't even need to write that down. That one's so obvious. Hannah's gonna get that. <laughs> um, my note is there's a scene where Einstein is like panting heavily and drooling. And I, my grandparents have Great Danes. Um, they've had about four or five in my lifespan. And that is such a Great Dane thing to do. That just drooling and panting so heavily, like heavier than most dogs. Mm -hmm. It gets so annoying, <laughs> honestly. Because <sighs> they also, because they're big dogs. Yeah. And they have big tongues. They have like really long tongues and their tongues just like hang out of their mouth. They're like. Um, no, but yeah, they're definitely, I think one of the biggest dogs, like. What is this? I'm Probably a great. Dane. I think the biggest dog in the world is a great is a Great Dane. I think it's like six feet tall when on its hind legs. Yeah, the largest dog breed in terms of height by the American Kennel Club. Crazy, they're really big. They're massive. Um, my next note at twenty seven minutes, I there's a Macy's store. Why did I not catch this? It, um, it was kind of, kind of hard to see because it it wasn't like that red Macy's star. At twenty seven sixteen. Okay, I'm looking for it. Oh, oh my gosh! I did not notice it. Right? Yeah. Um, it's Macy's. Macy's is old, guys. Macy's was a thing in like the fifties. All right, what do you got, Hannah? What do you have next? Okay, at oh, I said Tito is one of my favorite characters. Tito is great. I honestly, you know, I meant to talk about Tito and the guy who voices Tito. Um, thank you for reminding me. Tito was voiced by Cheek Marin, who you probably best know as one of the hyenas in Lion King, mm -hmm. not Shenzhou. Not Shenzi. Shenzi is Whoopi Goldberg. The other one. I don't remember the other one. Um, but his voice, you definitely know his voice. Um, everyone's heard his voice. He got famous from... He got famous in the 70s. Him and his partner um, had a stand-up routine called Ki Chin Chong. And they were best known for doing a lot of their stand-up about weed. And they were just known for being high and funny. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, he's a really funny person. If you haven't listened to, like, I'm sorry, I just yawned in the middle of that sentence. I am exhausted today. 
Um, he's really funny. If you haven't listened to any of his stand-up, I suggest you do. Do you have a note? Do you have a note when they introduce Jenny? Um. Saying, OMG, that's Penny. Yeah, okay. So, I actually looked this up. So, the original storyboard for Oliver and Company was the exact same story of Oliver Twist, just with dogs. All of it was dogs. Oliver was a dog. Everyone was a dog. Uh-huh. Um, and then one of the co-directors was fired, and the other director took over and changed the story to where Oliver is a naive kitten, and he added in some humans, and he took inspiration from Penny, and he put that character and he didn't take inspiration from Penny. He copied Penny. He took Penny and he put her in the movie. Same name, even. It's so similar. It's... It, it is. I think we should post on our Instagram a side-by-side of these two. I think we should. I think that's a great idea. We definitely, absolutely will. We need to post more on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, follow us on Instagram. DisneyTalk underscore H-N-D. And that's N, the letter N. The letter N, H, N, D. Um, I have at 33 minutes and 5 seconds, OMG, I wish. I don't know what that was referring to, so we're going to play that clip. Oh, I know exactly what it's referring to. Never mind, we're not going to play that clip. Uh-oh, why? Um, that is when we meet Georgette for the first time, and Georgette is like the showgirl. Um has so many trophies from being in dog shows and those curtains on her bed. Oh my god, I wish. Do you want to have the curtains? I wish. No, she has like a light switch and her bed like turns around and the curtains lift up automatically and the spotlight goes on her and like obviously Bette Midler played her. And then I, the, she has like this massive vanity. And she's a dog. Yeah. And she has her own vanity. She has her own. She has her own room. <laughs> um, who spoils the dog that much? Not me. No, we definitely don't do not spoil Sienna that much. And like, I I spoil my dog a lot, but like, I don't I don't give him his own room. Yeah, no, not that much. Sienna has a bed. Sienna has a brand new leash. Um, but not her own room. My next note is I didn't recognize that it was Bette Midler at first. Um, oh, okay. Which I am ashamed about. I don't expect you to recognize that. Do you know who Bette Midler is, Hannah? I really don't. Please let me know. Okay. Educate. Um, Bette Midler is just a Broadway diva who has been in a bunch of stuff. Most recently... She was um, in Hello, Dolly as Dolly. Okay. Um, no, Bette Midler is a very famous actress and singer. Um, she's just a Broadway diva. Um, I'm looking at what movies. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. Do you want to know how tired I am? Yeah. I am so tired that I didn't immediately think of Hocus Pocus because Bette Midler is Winifred from Hocus Pocus. Oh my god, really? Yes. 
I don't know how I didn't remember that. I'm so sorry. And no, you can't. Forever really? ashamed. That is Bette Midler. That is Georgette. Winifred for Hocus Pocus. Oh, Daniel and I watched Hocus Pocus together this past year. And it was for Halloween. I think it was the first Disney movie we ever watched together. It was it was really fun. I I really enjoyed it. It was. It's a great movie. Um, you know, guys, I'm so sorry. This is a slow podcast. We don't have a lot of notes. Personally, um, my next note isn't until 50 minutes. Um, okay. At, so, at what do you got? At 41 minutes and 54 seconds, I said, that's just not what a school bus looks like now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone please let us know. <laughs> it was like a van, and it had a sign that said school bus on it. It looked like it could only fit maybe 10 people. It looked like the bus I take to school, which is just a white van. I take a white van to school. Um, uh, yeah, so let us know if... What's up with that? If that's what you take. Anything else? Um, at, Georgette has sharp teeth for being such a well-groomed and like... Well, I don't know much about dog shows, but I'm pretty sure that like their teeth have to be like perfect for a dog show and i think like that is what perfect teeth look like perfect is like sharp teeth i think it's also to make her look just a little cruel yeah no you know she has a line that i relate to um but i didn't write down um she says in her song perfect isn't easy um you know what actually can we play a little clip from Perfect Isn't Easy just so everyone knows what Bette Midler sounds like? Yeah, please do. You cool with that? Okay, this is Bette Midler. When one knows the world is watching, one does what one must. Some minor adjustments, darling, not for my vanity, but for humanity. That's what she says. She says, not for my vanity, but for humanity. Um, that's Bette Midler. She sounds very different in that than she does in Hocus Pocus. Um, at 47 minutes and one second, I say, why is there a beware of dog sign when there's obviously, like, five dogs? You know, I think it's just ironic decoration. Yeah. I don't know. I saw that too. I didn't put it down. I didn't really question it. Um, but I think it's just decoration. Um, Do you think? Yeah. Any, anything else in the 40s? Uh, um, I'm not sure if this is in the 40s. Hold up. When Georgette's like working, that's still in the 40s. Oh, the aerobics? Yeah, she's doing this aerobic workout. While eating a box of chocolates. Yeah, no, I noticed that. <laughs> also, later, later in the scene, um, they, they cut back to her. And the aerobics she's doing, um, so everyone knows, she's lying on the couch watching TV, just doing leg lifts on one leg, okay? Eating a box of chocolates. And then they cut back to her, and the girl on the TV is doing something entirely different, and Georgette's just still doing the one leg. <laughs> oh my, why is Georgette literally me trying to work out? Honestly. 
Um, so my next note is at 50 minutes and 13 seconds, the mail slot. Gen- Jenny receives Fagan's letter in the mail. Uh-huh. Um, in her mail slot, and I noticed two things about the mail slot. The first thing is the mail slot is in the wall and not in the door. Yeah. What? What's up with that? Like, at scenes when they cut to the door, there's a little mail slot in the door, but then inside the house, it's in the wall. Um, Don't know what kind of optical illusion their house is, but... (laughs) Yeah, typically Um, mail slot would be in the door. And then later, the mail slot disappears. Yeah. And then it reappears again, so... A little movie mistake. And then my next note isn't till an hour. Um, okay, let me see what I got. Um, oh. This is probably another one of those ones that you didn't write down because you knew I'd find it. Probably. Uh, 53 minutes and 54 seconds, um, Fagan pulled out his Mickey watch. What? What? Wait, 53 minutes? 53 minutes and 54 seconds. Okay, can I be honest with you? I probably saw it the first time, but I didn't see it when I was taking notes. No, I feel like you've you definitely seen this one of the times you watched it. You just didn't write it. Because I like, kind of recognize what you're saying. Oh, there it is. I, think I, I don't think I wrote that down with the notes, but I think I noticed it the first time. Um. Yeah. You noticed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't believe I didn't notice that. And then at one hour, one minute, and 52 seconds, um, unless you have anything before that, Hannah. Uh, one hour, you said one hour, one minute? Yeah. Nope, all you. Okay, one hour, one minute, and 52 seconds, Cheeto makes a Star Wars reference. Ooh. I'm going to play the clip, Hannah, is that okay? Yep. Alright, so this actually happens at 1 hour, 1 minute, and 40 seconds. I'm sorry I was wrong. Here's the clip. <laughs> hey, man, you're ugly! And you're uglier than him! And you're ugly part three! <laughs> hey, you're revenge the ugly! Did you catch it? No. He says, hey, man, you're ugly. Hey, you're uglier than him. Hey, you're ugly part three. Your revenge of the ugly. Revenge of the ugly. Revenge of the Sith was episode three. I would have never thought of that. I, I you know I picked up on that. I'm like that that can't be a Star Wars reference. I read somewhere that Cheech Marin improvised about twenty five percent of his lines were ad libbed, and I bet you that was ad libbed. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know when part, when episode three came out. Yeah. Um, let me look it up. I'll look it up. All right. Ooh. 2005. What? Those are the prequels. Star Wars, Star Wars episode three. Yep. Revenge of the Sith. Mm Mm-hmm. 2005. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Because, you know, those are the prequels. They came out after the first three. You know that, right? No, I knew that, but... So, let's see. Is that not a Star Wars reference? 
could hang on could star could that be a reference to another movie that star wars is also like referencing maybe hang on i'm gonna look up part three if it came out in 2005 then it wouldn't be a reference okay this can't be it that's crazy That's, wait, that's actually really crazy. I cannot, I can't believe that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of so weird. Was it like announced in 1988 that that's what the three were called? And was it like a big deal? Uh... I'm sorry, my mind is like blown right now. So on top of the fact that I'm tired and talking slow because I'm tired, like I'm going to be talking slow because I'm confused. First one was released in 1999, Phantom Menace. So, no. What the? I think they would have announced it that early. What was episode 6 called? Return of the Jedi. I have no idea. That is too- that is too spot on. Yeah, that's kind of like- your ugly part three revenge of the ugly that has to be maybe oh my god there's times like these where i think disney like time travels <laughs> that's my last note um that's my last note too um i have one more thought just saying bill sykes's death is like utterly brutal yeah um so I think we're at the point where we can spoil it because we've talked about the whole movie. Um, so to finish the plot, Jenny is captured by Fagin and tied up in Fagin's um, base, which is a shipping, a shipping factory on the dock of on the docks of New York. And the dog and Fagin chases after and Sykes. I'm sorry. Sykes chases after Fagin to get back to Jenny, to get back Jenny, um, and Fagin is in a little, like, scooter car, and that somehow can drive faster than Bill Sykes's really nice sports car. Um, Fagin drives down the stairs into the New York subway, and Fagin drives down the stairs into the New York subway and Sykes in his car drives down the stairs into the New York subway um and I don't know how subways work um but Sykes's car attaches onto the tracks and the tires the rubber burns off and now it's just the metal tires are on the subway and again don't know how subways work but for some reason this makes it super electric and deadly. Um, and while they're chasing each other on the subway, they end up on the Brooklyn Bridge because I think it's the Brooklyn Bridge. It looks like the Brooklyn Bridge. They end up on a bridge in New York. Um, Dodger hops onto Sykes's car, grabs Oliver, grabs Jenny, and throws them back into into Fagan's cart right before the train coming the other way crashes right into Sykes's car, killing him uh -huh. in an explosion of fire. He gets hit by a train. 
I don't know why I didn't say that. <laughs> if he gets hit by a train, y'all, it's too yep. late for me. Simply said, <laughs> he gets hit by a train. I went on for five minutes, but he gets hit by a train. Well. That's my last note. My last thought. Yep, that's all I got for you. Hannah, I would definitely, definitely recommend this movie. Everyone's amazing. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised that I've never seen it before because I swear I have, but I guess I haven't. Yeah, um, definitely underrated. Highly recommend. Really good movie. Um, I was sucked into it both times I watched it, and I watched it twice in the same day, so you would think I'd be able to focus on taking my notes, <laughs> but I couldn't. Um... So, oh my god, the wheel! Oh my god, I totally forgot oh, that this is a weekly. Spin the wheel. This is a weekly thing, and we have to do this every week. I mean, yay, we have to do this every week. <laughs> that what? So sad. I'm so sorry. Um, it is ten thirty, and I still need to be awake after this. I have stuff to do. Oh my god, Hannah, guess what we landed on? What? Snow White. Shut up. I'm dead serious. What my screen right know? now says Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, 1937. Ah, okay, okay. Oh my god, I'm excited. This is exciting. We've gotten um, really good. We have gotten lucky. We we got Narnia the other day, though. Um, We cut that part out. Yeah, you, you did land on Narnia. Um, we did not watch Narnia. Maybe one week, eventually, um, we'll watch Narnia, but not right now. All right. Well, yeah. Next week we'll be watching Snow White. Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, the first Disney movie ever. So we have that to look forward to. In the vault. It's in the vault. It is. It's in the vault. Thank you for listening to Disney Talk with Daniel and Hannah. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to Disney Talk with Hannah and Daniel. All the clips from this episode were made and owned by the Walt Disney Company. The theme song was created by Jacob Slaker and the cover art by Sarah Fleischman. Bye.